I'm standing in a very important spot, right outside the Oval Office, and you're looking at the White House behind me. And it's an honor to be here, and it's an honor to salute you. And I want to congratulate Dana White and the UFC. They're going to have a big match. We love it. We think it's important. Get the sports leagues back. Let's play. You do the social distancing and whatever else you have to do. But we need sports. We want our sports back. And congratulations to Dana White, UFC. That's right. Let's go. Fight on is here, guys. Stay tuned. Let's go. All right, welcome back, guys. Happy Monday. We just had our first big-time pay-per-view card. UFC 249 was a grand success. Uh, joining me today once again for the second time, Verge. What up, man? Hey, how you doing, Danny? Good to be here. Always, always a pleasure to have you. We had such a fun episode on Thursday or whenever it was that we uh, recorded it. Uh, we went over You were the gambling guy. Uh, for those of you that are tuning back in, uh, Verge, gave us some amazing insights as to what the basics of the numbers mean and uh, what kind of crazy bets you can make. Um, I didn't make any money off of them, but I certainly came close. So thank you, Virg. It was a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, man, 249. Uh, this is kind of like a recap slash gambling shenanigans episode. Uh, don't really have a theme for this one other than we appreciate Dana White and uh, all the measures taken to safely bring the fighters into the arena. Matter of fact, uh, I found out last second that uh, Jacare Souza, a fight I was very happy to, we even talked about it, a fight that I was super excited to watch. That fight went to crap. Uh, Souza had COVID coronavirus. He was diagnosed with COVID-19, so pulled him out of the card. Everyone else was safe, um, so obviously nobody bet on that. Now, Verge, was there a bet that one fighter would get coronavirus, and could you make money off of that? I'm, I'm imagining somewhere there probably was. Uh, there's always crazy bets. There's crazy odds everywhere, so... You know, somewhere, maybe somebody did, but uh, I didn't have any action on that, unfortunately. <laughs> Who gets COVID-19? Is it Jacare? Is it this guy? Um, so, again, man, this, this was a phenomenal fight. Uh, how much did you watch of it, Verge? I know that you're not the full watcher, but you probably in and outed out of the event. Yeah, so uh, they, they showed that first early card on ESPN. I caught a lot of that. So I was watching that, you know, betting on some of those fighters. I mainly bet on the underdogs, you know my lack of knowledge of just fighting in general and the fighters I went with the underdogs trying to win money. And that's typically what I usually do. If I don't know a ton about it, I like root for the underdogs and it pays out positive. So I like that, but I watched the early fights on ESPN and then I uh, didn't go as far as buy the card, but I watched it on some uh, Reddit streams, the later ones. So uh, I pirated this, the fight, if you will. I figured there'd be a lot of that going on, especially with all these extra paywalls that, that ESPN is putting up. Um, I'm, I'm a sucker, dude. I've always paid for it. I've been always the Good Samaritan. And not saying that you're bad. I'm just saying me as a habit. I buy it. And also, since I'm hosting people, I don't like to host on some janky uh, you know, thread you know, links on Twitter. And if they go, I'm always paranoid that they fail. And then I got people at my house like, yo, what's, what's up with the fights, man? Like, yeah, absolutely. No, if I, if I was hosted people, I would have done a little bit, a little bit better, but I was actually playing some poker during the fights and none of the guys uh, I was with really wanted to chip in. So I didn't go the full route of buying it. Uh, but that kind of, I kind of in the same way with, with golf. I when you know, in golf courses, I don't necessarily always take my own beer out. A lot of people sneak beer onto golf courses and I just more 
prefer to buy the six pack there. You're supporting, I mean, the sport you love, same with what you're doing, you know, you're supporting the sport you love. So there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. And, and you being the gambler playing poker is uh, just as beautiful playing poker, having some fights in the background. Your Saturday night sounded lit, man. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was a good time. Uh, kind of my quarantine crew got together, played some poker. So uh, it was a good night. <laughs> We all have a quarantine crew. Not you mention it. Uh, you know, even for me, like I, I love uh, training jujitsu, and it's a very close contact sport. So you just can't. Even if the gyms open up again, I'm still a little skeptical of whether or not I should go. It's still a, a you know, a debatable topic. It's a little bit, uh, what do you call it, controversial. But sure. I still stick with training with my what I call the same thing. I guess you did, which is the quarantine crew it's like you call them up it's like hey have you been safe yeah i've been safe what have you done the last two weeks i've only been to the grocery store once that's about it it's like all right let's train you know that's kind of how i do it um so mm-hmm. got a good quarantine crew there uh so virgil give me before we get into the card what's uh what's one bet that did you have any bets that went sour <laughs> i have one bet that went sour did i have any that didn't uh no i i, I had a couple that couple that went sour my uh the one that I was saying I was going to bet on uh, Rosenstruck, the Nagano fight, man. He took him out in the first like twenty seconds, KO, and it was just it was it was rough. I was I liked that fight. I had Rosenstruck to win by knockout and to win the fight, and it was over in twenty seconds. So I basically burned that money on fire. Yeah, yeah, and and not to rub it in here because the truth is that knowing about fighting doesn't necessarily mean you know anything about the outcomes. I like any sport, you know, like I said, uh, that's why we watch sports. If it were predictable at, at the way we would sometimes bet on, we wouldn't watch it. It'd be boring. Um, but on this one, I had it right. I, I, I just don't see in Ganu, uh, getting trucked by a guy who, who was significantly smaller and, and didn't have, did you see how powerful his punches were? I mean, he just hit him once. It backed him up. He, the first hit dropped him kind of. And then as he was falling, bouncing back from the cage, uh, Nganu landed that next one and he landed both on the chin. So two huge punches. And after that, it was just bouncing a, a human skull against the fence. It was ridiculous. That man is huge. Yeah, and that's why I told you check out the highlights because um, it's like, hey, why is that guy that has 10 knockouts not the favorite and against another guy whose record is close? You know, their records on paper looked significantly close enough uh, to where it's like, well, this is a good pick. This is a good pick for the underdog. And I was like, I don't know, man. Ngannou's a killer. And I told you, he's a murderer. He just murders people. Um, that was the only thing I had 100% from last episode. So that's why I'd like to start with the good stuff. Uh, slowly mm-hmm. work our way. We're going to spiral down here. So you actually bet on this. Uh, I can't even pronounce his name. Uh, Rosenstruik, I think is how you say it. Sure. You bet on him. What would you bet? Just the, just the, the, the win. So I bet him, I bet him plus 400 to get, to get the knockout. The lines actually moved uh, from 390. It went up to plus 400. So I took some of that and then I had uh, him to just win the fight by any, any measure and he did not <laughs> i also had another loser i had is i picked the karate hottie man i thought uh nice. i thought she i thought she was gonna win and uh that was actually a fairly even match i thought it was i thought it was closer than i guess it was well, no you're right it was a and i told you i was gonna be a very good matchup uh honestly it kind of took away karate hottie's value a little bit because i called the aspect of the fight in terms of distance correctly i told you that karate hottie looks to maintain a certain distance 
that would allow her to strike, and she never really pulled the trigger. She landed a few times, but never menacing, and little by little, the fight was just never going her way. Little by little, you can feel Esparza's pace taking over until the judge's decision came around. Next thing you know, it's a clear, to me, it was a clear uh, uh, Esparza win. Um, clear in, in the fight world. I, don't, I understand that it's still close, but when you're actually having to score a fight round by round, um, I had the winner of all three rounds going to Esparza. Maybe round two might have been Watterson. I'm not sure. But I, again, I had the majority of rounds going to Esparza. It was no surprise when the judges came on. Uh, sad times because I, I was going for the hottie. Um, and I think we expressed our appreciation for Asians. Um, mm-hmm. so, so that was also one upset. Anything else that you got uh, that you were like, ah, oh, crap. Any bummers? Any other bummer bets? A couple of them. Uh, I thought Nico Price. I don't know if that was an ESPN fight. Uh, I thought he, I thought he was pretty, he was fighting. He was hanging on pretty well uh, for the first two rounds. I don't know. I'm sure uh, Vincente, Vincent Luque. How do you say that name? I say Luke. Luque. Oh, sure. Luque. Luque. Vincente Luque. I don't know. A lot of people say Luke. Uh, Luque is good. I say Luque actually. But yeah, we, we had me and my buddies, we all bet price and that just, like I said, I bet a lot of underdogs. So uh, yeah, I, we, I didn't get that one right. Yeah, and if you watch that fight, it was very. Um, that's a very good fight to watch. It was the first fight of the prelims. It was the one on ESPN. Um, it was the official welcome back fight because yeah, there were fights before that, but those are the early prelims. So technically, those would be the official ones. But I mean, the first like actual eight o'clock prelim primetime fights. It was this one: Nico Price and Vicente Luke, um, Luke, whatever. And I gotta tell you, man, I'm really impressed with the way Luke. Uh, did you see how he slowly? paced the fight and he kept with those leg kicks and the strikes were so strong so strong this fight mm-hmm. uh it's one thing to watch fights with the crowd but I, I i certainly hope that what this did for a lot of people is 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 gain an appreciation for how, exactly how hard and consistent these guys get hit it's right um, and i actually thought it was going to be a little louder i thought the slapping was going to be a little bit louder than it was because you can still hear it when they when they do have fans you can hear it just as well I felt like I didn't feel like it was too much louder than than typically, but it was. I mean, these guys hit each other hard. Essentially, they're just trying to kill each other. It's crazy, man. I can't. I can't believe this is a sport when <laughs> you know they talk about uh, concussions in the NFL so so heavily, and they always you know they bring that up as a reason why you know it's a dangerous sport. And it's like, oh, look at UFC. No, I love this sport. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. I just think it, these guys are crazy, man. Yes, you have to be a little bit. Some, there's got to be something uh, screw loose in your head. There's definitely got to be. And my answer to that is, um, believe it or not, whenever when when MMA was becoming popular, and actually, let's say before that, when Dana White basically when Dana White was trying to get MMA onto the pay per view scene, uh, he had a very hard time in the old days because a lot of people looked at this and said, "No, this is way too dangerous." And th- this is something that Dana White said then, and something that's still holding true now. It is still a safer sport if you're now. Let me clarify what safer means because you have to define it if you're going to say something as bold as this. For the brain, for the for brain trauma, nothing's good, right? You're always getting hit in the head, whether it's football, boxing, it doesn't matter. Anything that's contact and constant hits, we can all agree it's bad. But on a scale from one to the other, if we're comparing, uh, mixed martial arts is actually deemed less dangerous to head trauma than boxing, um, because. The now this is all based on numbers. I'm not saying you won't watch a fight where a guy looked like he died. It, that does happen, but on average, what ends up happening is because MMA has leg kicks, body shots, body kicks, wrestling, 
you know, a lot of jujitsu on the ground. There's a lot of time in which the head is not getting hit. And, and yes, you'll have your moment in the fight where a guy gets hit once really well, but once he gets hit and he's not looking like he can intelligently defend himself, it's immediately stopped and you see no more fight. Whereas boxing, you can have a guy who's concussed survive a 10 count and now he's out there for another three, four rounds and he's absorbing another 30, 40 punches while he's concussed. And, and that over time, over a long boxing career is much more dangerous to the brain than, than MMA is because an MMA fight, you can go, you can go an entire MMA fight fighting halfway on the ground. That's let's say you did five rounds. You're looking at 13 minutes of a fight that you weren't taking any crucial blows to the head, you know, whereas boxing, all you really have is head body, head body. So it's, you have a 50% chance to get hit in the head and there's nothing else. There's no ground game. There's barely anything. So it's pretty much 12 rounds potentially of you getting your head caved in. Um, and if you get knocked down, they're not going to, you know, the, the opponent gets to back off of you. So you get like a little recovery time and people see that as good. But in reality, all you're doing is allowing somebody who's just taken some tremendous brain injury, head injury to keep fighting. And he's okay. Yeah, he's a fighter. He's in the weather of the storm, but he's doing constant damage, which over the long course of a 12 round fight and over the long course of a, a boxing career of 30, 40 fights is much more dangerous. So scientifically, it doesn't seem intuitive to people but scientifically mma is the safer sport this is just from what i've read um you know research can always change depending on what we start studying but yeah uh, so uh, i find that really interesting wow that that was uh, very well explained i feel like you've had to explain that before yeah i've had to do dana white a little bit that was impressive now i will be honest i try i'm a guy i try to keep it as honest as possible if it wasn't i'd be I wouldn't be arguing this. I'd be like, look, man, it's the worst sport known to human to, you know, to what it does to, you know, in terms of damage, it's the worst sport ever. However, uh, I love it. So I'm glad it's here. But the reality is that this is, these are things that have been discussed and I've had many debates about these things. Big boxing fan as well. Um, so yeah, so you watch this and to the eye, you go, holy crap, this is much more dangerous. And sure, elbow cuts, those are bloody and gruesome. Knees to the face always look worse than any, any punch in boxing. But the truth is, if we're talking brain injury and trauma, uh, the NFL also is, is considered bad because of how constant and how many times you get hit in a game. Um, and you continue and you continue and you continue. And that's the problem. It's even guys who ski, just so you know, you know, have you ever seen those guys that ski and they, they're constantly yeah. hit their, their heads constantly bobbing? That is known to cause just as much trauma as fighting. Yeah, you, you're talking like the, uh, when they hit the moguls. Is that what they're called? It's basically the, yeah. they look like they're on these really bumpy snow roads. They're like vibrating. Yeah. I mean, yeah, essentially yeah. they're just vibrating the whole way down the mountain. Yeah. Sam Harris. It's, crazy. it's insane to watch. Sam Harris has a podcast, big fan of Sam Harris. Uh, he talks about that. He, since he's a neuroscientist, um, you know, he, he, he breaks down why that's actually just as bad. And it's pretty impressive because there's no contact there. It's just the very movement and bobbing. Of right. So that is crazy. So yeah, a little fun fact there for you. Again, I'll keep throwing some more fight signs and you keep hitting me with the gambling signs. But yeah, off to a great start. Vicente Luke and Nico Price was a great, great start to this. I mean, as soon as the fight was, was done and they were showing the replay, that replay was vicious. When, when Price got hit and it looked like the 300, the slow motion blood coming out of his face as he got punched. Whoa, that's savage. It was, on my, it was all over my Instagram. I'm like, is this happening right now? These two guys have, are pretty much showcasing how much we missed the fights because they were all like, let's go. Everybody was pumped. Um, so yeah, man. So price was the underdog. I called Luke on that one as well. 
uh, he came out with the actual TKO in the third round. Esparza and Waterson went to a decision. Not very eventful fight, but definitely one that went Esparza's way. And then we go to the Verdum fight, which was another upset, right, from what I hear? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that was. Yeah, I was expecting Verdum all day. He used to be a champion mm-hmm. of the UFC. The numbers had it his way. And Olenek, uh, he got that, he got that, uh, that decision. Yeah, that that was one I that was one I did well on. I I remember we were talking about that fight pre pre fight or pre night, and that I I liked uh, Olenek, and like I said, I bet almost all the underdogs, a few favorites. You know, I had Greg Hardy, but but that was a, that was one of my bigger payouts. I got it at plus two seventy five. Really? Okay, okay. So it was at two seventy five when the fight happened. Yes. So the, it's, it's essentially, you know, it's like a, any type of stock or commodity trading. Um, as Vegas gets action on one side, they have to move the other side a little bit to even out their bets on both sides of it. And that's, for instance, why you see a line in sports move up or down from, you know, six and a half. It's moved all the way down to five and a half. It's because so much of the public is betting on one side that they have to get some action on the other side so that they don't have, you know, big whales of, of bets coming in just on one side. So they try to even it out by moving lines. Yeah. Uh, this is going to get tricky for me because I'm, I'm going to have questions that maybe just because of the nature of these things, we're not going to know the answers to. So just, mm-hmm. pick with. but I was going to ask you that last episode. And of course, too many things to talk about. Right. I was going to like that. I was going to go over it. And then I just, I, I thought, you know, schooling day one was over with. I thought that was a lot of enough information to retain. It wasn't, man. I'm just half retarded sometimes, but but that uh, that was great. Um, and and I I listened to the episode again, and I realized you had to repeat the same thing four times. I'm like, okay, I'm not putting Verge through that again. So I promise you, <laughs> not to, not to <laughs> no, it's that crap. It, it's it's tricky. It, I I get how it's it it's a little tricky to understand at first, but once you once you get it and once you've played around a few times with it, it's actually very very simple and it's a lot of fun. I mean, it just brings a lot of fun to sports that you normally don't, you know, sit down and watch. I agree. It's a whole new angle. Uh, it's a whole new angle. I, I mean, nothing more than put your money where your mouth is kind of mindset and then watching. And then, you know, if you've bet, for example, like round two TKO and the first round ends with the fighter you bet on having the other dude hurt a little bit, you're like, oh, shoot, here we go. Going into round two, my guy is fresh. The other guy's a little hurt. Uh, the TKO is around the corner, it seems. Let's see what happens. I got five minutes to see if my bet hits the money, you know, if I hit the bullseye. Mm-hmm. And that, that excitement, dude, is a, such an addiction. You know, it's, it's, it's why I gamble. It's why I even play poker. It's like when I'm bluffing, man, and, and, and people are starting to believe my bluff, there's no bigger rush, man. And when the pot's huge, right. and you got people folding, and there's only one guy left to fold, and you're like, please don't call, dude, come on. And you got to sit there with a straight face. I mean, whether it's competitive gambling in that aspect or just, you know, gambling on odds where you're not actually playing someone, you're just kind of waiting for outcomes. It's a great suspense, man. I'm sorry. It adds such a good flavor. Um, to me, that's... You're absolutely right. Dude, dude, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can totally get why people would have a problem with this stuff. Uh, so, again, you know, Olenek looked great. Verdum... Uh, tried to do some so i had a friend of mine who's a jiu-jitsu head just like me and he gambled on verdum getting a submission which actually almost happened i mean he had a couple of submission attempts that were very scary and promising didn't go down that way but i mean it just comes to show that people who knew a little thing or two about verdum uh, and his ground game almost had it right and and a lot of times just because you got a bet wrong doesn't mean that you were uh, you know that you were incorrect i mean the fact that somebody bet on a submission that strongly and he betted in round three, which is where Verdum 
got his second win and almost got the submission. So it was so close. He was he was mm-hmm. right on the money, but it just didn't happen. You might call that a bad beat. Yeah, yeah, bad beat where you you know you had the full house and somebody walked in with a four and you four of a kind and you went oh crap man damn it that, that mm-hmm. wasn't bad. Uh, so yeah, moving on to the main event of the prelims. This was the fight that we were all talking about when it came to the prelim bets. Uh, you know, Cerrone Pettis. Uh, great fight too. It, it was actually a, it went to a decision, which which yeah, it wasn't too far off. But I definitely picked Pettis to win, especially after the first fight went to Pettis after by a TKO. Um, and this was the odds here show minus one forty five for Pettis. It might have moved. So you tell me if if you know any different. But no, that's that's what I got it at. I I bet Pettis in this one too, and uh, it was minus one forty five is what I got it at. Minus one forty five. So the the yep, other minus one forty five. Yeah, yeah. That they, then Pettis ended up winning, and um, so before we move on to the main card, uh, do you know any further detail about what causes Vegas? Because I've noticed that the, the the odds change as the fight gets closer in time, and I've always wondered: is it that they got new intel? Is it that they? It, got- it can be new intel. That that can be most likely. I would say because it's getting closer to the fight, you've got action coming in heavy on one side or another. That's what's mainly going to move the lines. It can be with fighting. It can be anything leading up to the event, I guess. You know, if somebody knows something, you know, he's got a headache the morning of or who knows, he's got the flu, you know, something like that may may sway it. But I would I would tend to believe it's probably uh, just action getting heavily bet on one side. So you mean to tell me that if a fight is approaching and there was a guy who was a favorite by a huge amount and no one's betting on him, let's say that, Vegas goes crazy, the bets in terms of betting. And now we're seeing that a huge overwhelming people amount of people are betting on the underdog. Could that change the way that Vegas has to now put the favorite to, to underdog ratio? If it's very close, they may. Like if it's a very close fight, like almost a pick them and they get a bunch of action on one side, it may flip around. But they do, you know, they don't change it too much. Uh, and, and we'll go back to a football game. If, if they have a seven-and-a-half-point spread and then all of a sudden the starting quarterback is, is not starting They'll, and the backup's playing, that line might move down to minus four or even minus like two-and-a-half. I think they said Patrick Mahomes was a full touchdown difference in the Super Bowl this last year. He was a full minus seven points just because they had Patrick Mahomes, no other measures. So it can, it, it can change on various uh, factors, but uh, for the most part, they have numbers that they have in mind. They won't go too much below or above, but um, action coming in on one side will sway the other a little bit. And a lot of times money will come in late. So it's right before the fight, you'll get a lot of action in. Um, and that then it can change drastically in the last 20 minutes. So when you see a spread that you want or a line that you want, usually I'd t- say get it then because it can change. Okay. And of course, like you said, it wouldn't be something that necessarily changes who the favorite is. Cause a lot of times Vegas is like, okay, this guy's the favorite. It's just a matter of how much by a little bit we can tweak it based on the bets, but to sway favorite to, uh, to not favorite, it's not, yeah, I mean, I've never seen it happen and I'm not going to, it, it yeah. has to be very, very close to begin with. It has to be like almost, a, it has to be a virtual pick them and then a sway. Um, that's what I would see. Yeah. I haven't been betting UFC that often, so I could be wrong, but that's, from my experience gambling in every other sport, that seems to be how it would go down. I can say in all my years, I've never seen anything sway from a status change to where the underdog is now the favorite or vice versa. So, mm-hmm. so I was just wondering more along the lines of what causes the numbers to change 
ripe as this fight's approaching. And like you said, it's 100% correct. It's always a little bit, but enough to notice. Like, hey, you know, I had 140 this morning and the fight's tonight and it's at 160. It's like one, a 20, mm-hmm. point, 20 point jump in the, in the scale. So that, that would yep, explain that, it. Yep. That is super cool, man. See? Class is still going, guys. Um, all right. So moving on to the main event, uh, Greg Hardy, Jorgen De Castro. Uh, we were all going Hardy here, all football fans here. So uh, mm-hmm. we were like, who's De Castro? And let me tell you something. I expected a knockout from Hardy, but I, I think Greg Hardy saw enough of De Castro's game to respect it. De Castro was not allowing Hardy to get his rhythm going. And it just became a fight of strategy, man. If you watch the fight closely, you could see how Hardy was – he was in it. His cardio stood the test of time. He went the three rounds. He stayed at a decent pace. Even at his worst moments, he wasn't gassed. He showed composure. He adjusted in terms of fight IQ, which is what you obviously need to adjust if, if the fight progresses to something you weren't expecting. I'm telling you right now, Hardy, like I said, when it comes to raw talent in the UFC, Hardy's impressing me every fight, win or lose. And uh, we usually see him knocking out guys with dynamite in his hands, but this time, couldn't get it done with the dynamite, so he adjusted, picked his shots, and and you know pretty much cruised to a victory. So that fight to me was a close one. I think we talked the odds. I'm not seeing the odds in front of me anymore, so I'm I'm losing what the odds were on this one. But I definitely wanted Hardy to win, and he was the favorite by reputation, and he got the job done. Uh, what what was it? What, do you know the odds offhand here? Yeah, I've, I had Greg Hardy. I'm looking at my my bet slip from Saturday night and. Greg Hardy, I had Greg Hardy's minus 200. They, was, they just padded out 200 even is what I had it at. Oh, wow. So he was a minus uh, – sorry, plus uh, – minus 200. Minus, minus 200, correct. Wow. It was a little closer than that. But, again, interesting to see how his – sometimes reputation can can really sway betting. Like when Connor fights, I, I'm, I mean, even if he's fighting an opponent that can kick his ass, I would – you know what? Matter of fact, I would like to know the night that Connor fought Khabib if you remember those odds. Because I, I don't. I, I remember a couple of Connor's fights, but I don't remember that one. Because, because again, I would have told you that Khabib wins that fight if I had to bet. And I would say that it would be like a three-to-one odds that Khabib would win that fight just because of the stylistic matchup he brings. But again, a guy like Connor, who's been a showstopper and been knocking out the best in the game, going on an absolute tear, I wonder if an uneducated Vegas, which doesn't exist, like you said, they're smarter than everyone. That's how they make their money. But I wonder if like sometimes uneducated uh, line, betting lines slip through the cracks. It's got to happen, right? It's got to happen. And I'm looking here. McGregor owns. Uh, Khabib was the favorite minus 155 in that fight. That's a, that's a, it's a, not, not even any, that's really a split. Yeah, it's, it's pretty close. And Khabib is, I'm a sorry, what, what'd you, I, I was, I was looking that up. I wasn't paying attention. What'd you ask earlier? No, I don't remember. Uh, so, so my question was, you know, is it possible that through the, you answered it though, through the cracks, is it possible that something slips by? That's kind of like an uneducated betting line from Vegas. Just because It, it can be, it, it can be, uh, it, I would tend to think it would probably be in a prop bet somewhere. Um, but like you said, it's going to be so hard, so hard to figure out. I mean, somebody's responsible for putting every line out there. So their reputation's on the line and. Uh, those guys get paid a lot of money. I I would find it pretty hard to, to see it it slip through. And if it did, they'd have enough action on one side that they would correct it pretty quickly. Yeah, I could see that happening, uh, making a last-minute adjustment and saying, okay, well, no, 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 this is where it's supposed to be. And you're right, when minus 160 favorite on the, uh, you know, was Khabib, which is not huge, 
but not a, not a fight, not a fight that I'm excited to gamble on. Um, and as we can see, that fight went to be an absolute mauling. I mean, Connor didn't have a moment in the fight. He had a few good strikes spread very thin throughout maybe rounds two and three. Uh, but that was all amidst amidst the Connor, the famous Khabib uh, smash, which is basically take down, control you, and the most unappealing form of fighting to non-fight fans, which is the ground game. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. As a jiu-jitsu practitioner, I love it. For it, it to me, it's... To me, I can appreciate every single movement they do on the ground because I understand what they're doing strategically. But from a spectator's perspective or to a casual, it's got to be boring. Um, you know, Khabib, Khabib's style is not one that people really cherish. You know, uh, we're, historically speaking, we're, we're a people of, we like seeing people get hit. It's a lot easier to understand. How Khabib controls his opponents is insane. Absolutely crazy. Uh, so he's so insane that everyone at the gym tries to copy his style. They try to mimic how he leg, he locks your legs while they're down. He tries to all these things. It's just so that fight to me was really interesting because the fighting odds were really close. But I, I would have bet that if Khabib won, which was very likely, he was going to do so by devastating fashion, the way he did. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the only thing keeping a fight like this in check, in terms of being too one sided in the lines, would be that it is Connor, and that's my point. I think the fact that Connor has the hype that he did and he has the dynamite in his left hand. I think that in combination with his experience with uh, Mayweather and all these crazy things he's done, I think the betting is just going to go his way. Cause to me could be being a one sixteen favorite here is not, um, is not, not enough. Yeah. I don't think it's enough. And the, that re, you kind of said it without exactly saying it. Conor McGregor is more popular. People know Conor McGregor. He's a household name. So people are going to bet on him. And naturally, that's going to bring that other side lower because so many people are betting on on Connor. They said we need to make Khabib's side a little bit more enticing for people because everybody, every the action's coming in, it's all on Connor. That's so true. that's that's exactly that's exactly how that plays out. So it's very interesting how Vegas is 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 very knowledgeable. However, the betting group or whatever their audience is can sometimes cause things to change a little bit based on patterns of betting. Absolutely. Super cool. It's almost like we have a say. So there, for instance, it's a Tiger Woods effect. You can bet on Tiger Woods to win a golf tournament, but you're not getting fair odds because so many people bet on Tiger that they, they put the odds in my opinion, Tiger's odds are never what they should be. They're always a little bit worse in terms of the payout. The payout's not going to be as great because it's Tiger Woods and people are always betting on him, thus bringing his, his odds better. Um, or I guess worse in terms of gambling on him. Yeah, his odds are worse, but better payout, right? Because the worse his odds are, the better the payout. So I see what you did there. Sure, but yeah, they, they get his odds get better to win. Um, they get higher. When more people bet on him, uh, they make it less, less of a payout, correct? Exactly. I guess I don't, you can say higher or lower. Depending on which, uh, yeah, depending on how you're right. 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 But uh, so that that is very enticing, uh, very, you know, to, to learn these things. It's almost as if we have a say sometimes. It's not necessarily fully just on skill. It's not a set number. It's kind of like, well, this is the set number and it's tweaked depending on how you idiots vote, uh, bet for that matter. Uh, that's that's kind of mindset that I'm seeing here. But, uh, you know, I guess I guess it's what makes it nice, right? The fact that there's so many variables to this, to this stuff, it makes it even more enticing. Mm-hmm. Speaking of enticing, exactly. Francis Ngannou and Rosenstreet. Oh my gosh. 
I told you I got I got burned on this one bad. <laughs> Twenty seconds. Mm-hmm. Twenty, 20 seconds. seconds. I actually do think it takes longer for a bill to burn than the fight went on. <laughs> Facts. It is. <laughs> Francis Ngannou. 20-second knockout in the first round. And I will tell you this. I told you he was a murderer. And he murdered him. I mean, I mean, the dude was out. And as he was bouncing off the fence, he caught another one to the jaw. And the fact that we could hear it, especially due to no audience. Oh, my gosh. It's, it felt wrong, man. If there's a part of me that's like, yeah, this is fun. But it's starting to feel wrong. <laughs> when you see... <laughs> When you see Nganu hit a guy like that, you kind of start to think, okay, maybe we should, you know, maybe we should do something. Maybe that guy should be banned. Well, I don't know what you want to do, but this is bad. It's like Kimbo Slice. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and, and although Kimbo wasn't necessarily the most, he was a good street fighter, but he was by no means a professional MMA fighter. He I, didn't have the I'm, more, I'm more talking about the YouTube, the YouTube's yes. uppercut, yes. you know, the big old punch Kimbo Slice. I was getting to that. Yeah. So from a perspective of a street fight, who, who nobody wanted to fight him. And he popped that for the first fight he ever had, the one that made him viral where he popped that guy's eye socket. What the crap? That's disgusting. <laughs> uh, so it's yeah, we, we got to witness that uh, while sanctioned. Uh, and, and you know, this, these are things that happen. I, in my house, we did this little thing. We do this fantasy where, you know, you bet on all the fights and then whoever gets the most um, picks correctly, all the way from fighter to method to round. Um, we kind of do like a little drawing board and everyone, all seven participants gambling, everyone had Nganu first round knockout. Nobody, first round knockout. No, nobody took the advantage on that fight. Um, wow. So I, I found it. But then again, we're all pretty much MMA fans. We've been watching Nganu. We kind of, which is why I told you like, yeah, that other dude, uh, Rosenstruck, he could have, I don't care how many knockouts he has, you know, uh, Nganu has already solidified him. He's proven himself. And Nganu has taken out so, like I told you, he's took he's taken out the equivalent of the best of the best in the sport. He's done it against Cain Velasquez. He's done it against all these monsters. The way he knocked out over Overeem, which is the one I told you to watch, and you did. Uh, he he mm-hmm. knocked out uh, man, uh, I forgot the name, uh, Curtis Blades, which is another powerhouse in the heavyweight division, and uh, he got clocked by Ngannou in one minute. Cain uh, Velasquez, I think, about the same. This guy in twenty seconds, and I will say this though. The way that Nganu knocked him out as he was uh, hitting him, he had his chin fully exposed. He didn't even. I, I one thing I did say last episode it was that Nganu was very technical, but he didn't look technical. Yes, he got the job done, but he didn't do it flaw. He didn't do it pretty. That knockout, Nganu's chin was all the way up. He was exposed. I think he rushes a better striker like that, and he might be in trouble. So yes, he mm-hmm. got the outcome he wanted. But it was kind of like the Ronda Rousey effect. Before Ronda Rousey lost to Holly Holm, she had a fight in, in Brazil against Betch Cohea. And what happened there was Rousey's hands looked great in the eyes of the public. Everyone was saying, wow, Rousey's got boxing now. She's looking great. She's not only she's, is she doing judo and then submissions on the ground, but she's also boxing. And I was like, whoa, 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 guys, hold on. She, her chin was straight up in the air. Her angles, her entry was very straight. She left herself very vulnerable to some attacks. All it took, all I said it took was for a better striker to show up and counter her, and she'll be done. And just, I didn't expect it. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I was the guru who knew it all, because I didn't. You know, Holly Holm knocking out Rousey is still one of the most shocking things. But the fact that I foresaw that and I said, look, yes, she got the knockout, but you cannot look at an outcome and say, hey, I, I don't need to improve because I won. It's like, no, 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 you sucked. You, you got the knockout, but 
nine out of 10 times, you keep crossing the road with your eyes closed, you're going to get hit by a car. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what happened. She, she stepped into the ring with a girl like Holly who knew her angles, knew her timing, didn't, didn't uh, get phased by Ronda Rousey's forward bull rush, and she clocked her over and over until it was a knockout. And I think Ngannou did great, but I would like to see him protect his chin a little more. Um, that's just my insight. I know that's not your uh, territory here, but I'm going to make you a little dizzy with a few extended commentaries. No, that's why I let you do the talking, man. I, I, uh, I appreciate listening to your analysis. So, yeah, no, uh, and, and, and it's, yeah, man. So, like, if you uh, have questions for me as well, feel free. You haven't had any so far, which is fine. But if you ever don't ever feel like you can't, man. Um, and on that note, I can just move on from this fight because we've talked about it for literally 15 times more than the fight lasted. So, <laughs> that's uh, true, dude. Yeah, so you, I would like to know, did you mess with this uh, Henry Cejudo and Dominic Cruz matchup or not? No, I didn't bet on this one. It got, it actually, I think it got started a little early. Am I wrong? Because I was sitting there, I was getting ready to gamble on it, and I look at my phone, it was already locked. Anyway, maybe I had too many, too many beverages and I lost track of time, <laughs> but no, I didn't, I didn't get any of my bets in. And I, like you said, I was playing poker pretty heavily at this time, so uh, I was a little distracted. You play Hold'em? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, just to me, to me, that's the best. I know it's the most popular right now, especially in the last, you know, 15 years, but it's still my favorite. I can't play Omaha high, low shit. I can't play five card. No, no, like, that's, that's love, the only way to go. I love Hold'em. Anyway. So, uh, <laughs> hey, dude, I think after this, we've got to have a poker night and, uh, some, some, some grub when this quarantine crap is over. Well, yeah. If you want to lose money, be my guest oh, dude i it'd be a pleasure <laughs> to you would be a pleasure i know at least with you it'll be in good fun um so this is a fight where cejudo and dominic cruz like i said the storyline is what in- intrigued me the most cejudo being the double champion in the ufc the olympic gold medalist for the usa dominic cruz being the 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 dominant champion that he's been Yes, he's taken four years off. It's been a little while, and that's what had me worried about it. But he's always looked great. And I don't know if you saw this fight, but his footwork in terms of uh, Cruz, his footwork was beautiful as always. The only problem is that Cejudo studied. I, I, it looks to me like Cejudo studied his style because he was following him the entire time. And what I mean by follow, I don't necessarily mean that you step right and I go right. I mean follow like he was following the, the stances that were switched by Cruz. He was following the momentum of the fight. He was always one step ahead of Cruz, it seemed. Cruz would not really be able to land anything on Dominic. It just seemed like he wasn't as fast as he normally is. His angles were not as good. I don't know how much of that has to do with the rust and the injuries, but I do know that Cejudo moved very intelligently, and he just, I mean, I don't know if you saw this fight. Did you ever end up seeing it? I, I saw some of it, yeah. Did you see it I on saw, the end of it? I saw the very, very end of it. What do you think of the stoppage from someone who doesn't watch fights a lot? Just, just I, I, didn't, I, I was just going to – that's what my question was going to be. I was waiting for you to bring it up. I didn't really understand it. So and, – and it's more important to get your perspective because, again, mine is going to be very biased to a lot of history. You know, I have a lot of history of, of stoppages that were both good and bad, and I don't want to tint your, you know, fresh take on it. So if you want to – like, what is it that confused you? What do you think – do you think it should have been stopped? You know, things like that. I, I just didn't know why they were stopping. So you basically your philosophy is, you know, fight could have gone a little longer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Our house was and down. It, the I, I thought the same thing. What, what fight was it? Uh, a little while ago, there was a fight that I thought shouldn't have been stopped. I want to say it was, was it a box? It was a boxing fight. 
anyway, I, there was just recently in the last year, there was a fight that I thought, um, I thought shouldn't have, should have kept going and it didn't for whatever reason. But, um, but yeah, no, it was, it was, it was interesting. I, I guess I don't know when, um, when they throw the towel, I guess, and who makes that call. So towels are thrown by corners and that that's same as boxing. Right. Exactly the same. If, if corners and in MMA towels being thrown don't happen often. There was a fight. I believe my listeners will kill me if they know a thing or two about MMA and I'm wrong, but I think BJ Penn and George St. Pierre, I think it was BJ Penn's family member, if not his brother was in his corner. And I think he looked at the ref and said, Hey, stop this. Um, Those are very rare. You see those more in boxing. And like I told you, boxing, I believe is more dangerous, which is why you see more towels being thrown in. And it's because a puncher's punch on average will be much more crisp and and stronger than an MMA fighter. The same way that a jujitsu, a guy who does only jujitsu in a jujitsu tournament is going to beat the heck out of even the best MMA fighters in the world. Because if that's their discipline, it's what their forte is going to be. Boxer's forte is to punch you. He doesn't have to worry about kicks. He doesn't practice that. That's all, all that kicking time that normally MMA fighters do. Boxers are reinforcing their punches. All that wrestling time MMA fighters do, that's time that boxers use to keep reinforcing their punches. So at the end of the day, who do you think is going to punch harder and just better and more, and more lethal, meaning they're going to have better technique with it and they're going to hit you in more dangerous spots. So a boxer's punch can kill you. A lot, I would say... If I'm on on a limb here, and I and I do think this, a boxer is closer closer to killing you with one punch than the average MMA fighter. Yes, we've got freak shows like Ngannou, but I'm I'm not counting anything that's not average. On average, boxers punch you much more flush and harder, I believe, because that's all the technique they practice. So they've got the art and science down to to a real hardcore nitty gritty. Well, I mean, it's it's tight. So. Uh, that's why I think in, in boxing you see more towels thrown in. It's because standing there and being defenseless to a boxer's punch is way more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Way more dangerous when you're like out of it. And so let, go, let, let me take this back because I can run my mouth here. Uh, essentially, here, here's the criteria for how a fight gets stopped in MMA. And this is the verbiage, like if it was a board game and had a rule book. The, the rule states, when a fighter is no longer intelligently defending themselves, the referee is to stop the fight. Now, obviously, that's subjective, right? That leaves a lot up to what the referee sees. If a lot of times the fans don't see that the fighter had his, uh, his eyes rolled back. Yeah, he was moving around, but his eyes were rolled back into his head. He wasn't even conscious. A lot of fighters get hit and they're scrambling to survive in an MMA fight and they make it back to their feet. And when, the, let's say, the buzzer ends the round, they go back to their corner and they're asking their corner, hey, what, what, what happened in the last 30 seconds? They don't remember. So the referee's job is to make sure that while they're in this confusion, confusion state where they've been rocked, are they, able to take, are they able to properly defend themselves? Does it look like they're regaining their ground, like getting their feet back from under them? And if the answer is that the next blow looks like it's going to be unnecessary because the guy's not being intelligent in defending himself, fight gets stopped, right? What happened with the sure. cruise fight? What happened with the cruise fight was a very weird thing because when Cruz got hit with that knee and he went to the floor, you could clearly see his face was stiff. He was out for a split second. At that point, it's just your muscle memory that kicks in. It's a weird phenomenon because you don't remember what's going on, but your body, because of how much training and conditioning you've put into it, your body is still moving. Just like there are fighters that get knocked out and they're still throwing a jab while they're unconscious. It's because you're, you, you've, trained your, you've trained that, right? So these fighters are, are a lot of the time going to look like they're still okay when they're not. 
And the referee's job is to draw that line and say, yeah, but I, my job is to protect you first. So what happened with the Dominic Cruz fight was that he was very hurt when he got rocked. And he was taking these punches by Cejudo. And in between those punches, for some reason, Cruz woke, like, he got better. And, and that's why the, re- the fight was stopped while the referee was, uh, the referee stopped the fight as Cruz was trying to get back up to his feet. Because mm-hmm. he was frustrated. He was frustrated that it got called. Yeah. At the ending of that fight, did you see that long ass speech he gave? Oh mm-hmm. my God. That was the longest speech because he repeated the same thing four times. Yeah, it was it was very repetitive. Yeah, but, but he's essentially right. If if so, what in my opinion, what happens here is the referee should have stopped the fight once Cejudo was just wailing on him after the initial drop. At that point, you can stop the fight. Given that the referee saw that and let it continue, then to me now with the, it's kind of like a strike zone, right? Like every every blue has a strike zone and it might differ from one umpire to the next, but at least you're asking for consistency, right? Okay. Yeah. You say mm-hmm. your strike zones here versus here. Fine. Just stick to it. Just pick a damn strike zone and stick to it. Um, and what happened this night was that the referee established a strike zone, which means, okay, I'm not going to stop it now. And the minute that Dominic shows promise and getting up, that's when you're going to stop it. So while I don't disagree that the fight should have been stopped, I disagree with when it was stopped because my opinion was stop it when Dominic Cruz was his forehead was on the freaking mat and this dude was wailing on him and he wasn't responding for like a good two seconds, which it quit, which mm-hmm. is, which is pretty much four or five unnecessary punches right there. You stop it. But if you're telling me as a referee, I'll allow that to see if he can work up back to his feet. Then what are you doing? Stopping it when he finally starts working his way back up to the feet. You know, it's, it's just exactly. strange. So that's, that's where the controversy of that is. Um, it's why it, it wasn't consistent. That's the problem. I don't think anybody would have gotten upset at him if he stopped the fight right away. Like if the dude gets dropped and then you see him with his forehead on the floor and getting punched in the face and he gets stopped there, you'd say, okay, okay, I saw enough. But if the fighter's getting up, what, what are you doing? He's getting up. You allowed him to fight and now he's actually fighting and you're going to stop it. So uh, I think overall, it would have been a good decision to stop the fight at one point. But given that the referee allowed that to go on, he had no right then to step in when, when Dominic was getting back up. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, how, that's how I draw that one up. Uh, either stop it at the right time or let the fighter fight. He kind of did both. He did, I mean, he didn't do either. <laughs> he didn't let Dominic Cruz fight, and he didn't stop it at the right time. Right. So that, was, that left a little poor taste in our mouths, especially since Cejudo is now retired with that win. Yeah, that was crazy too. 33 but years old. The dude just like, retained the title and retired. So how does that work? What happens to his title then? So the way history shows is that now the title goes a picture like wrestling. It just goes on top of the, uh, it gets uh, hanged, <laughs> it gets hanged on top of the right. thing, and then you get you get two guys to fight for it, and they you know they they win the ladder match. You know that's essentially what's going to happen. You just basically take the next two top contenders, and you make that, um, the title fight. You make that a title fight, or you can just pass the belt to the next guy. And say, hey, you're the runner-up, so you are now the interim, and then your next fight will be uh, for the title. So technically, your next fight as you're the interim, but you don't have the real belt yet. We're just going to give this to you for now to fill Cejudo's place. Your fight's going to be against the number one ranked guy, and then the winner of that will get the real belt. That'd be a shitty way to get a belt. Just have it given to you, right? You're the and, interim. 
Yeah, it is. And and unfortunately, Connor Connor McGregor caused that to happen multiple times in this uh in the UFC. Because Connor, if right. you Connor's never defended his title. So every time he got one, he he ran. So a lot of fighters dealing with the same thing with Cormier, right? Like uh when John Jones got hit with all those stupid things he does, um big John Jones fan, but you heard what happened with John Jones, always in trouble. Yes. <laughs> um it, that's what's always happened. It's always been like a hand-me-down belt. That that, and that's why uh, Cormier has a little bit of a fake champ. They call him the fake champ um, because you know he never really took it from Jones. Jones beat him twice, and yet he got to hold the title for a minute. So it's kind of like it's like that's eh, a shitty way. But at the end of the day, man, you know you take what you can, um, and that's that. So going into the last one, this is a fight that I think you and I were very excited about because the odds were close enough to where you can post Gaethje as a as a good bet I bet on Gaethje uh yeah as did I as did I I I I paid two separate bets I had him just to win the fight and then I also had him to win by knockout so two and oh on that fight nice 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 and and I had I I tend to always you know try to chase it so the the later in the night the more beverages uh the more money I've maybe have lost uh the higher all the higher my wagers go so (laughs) it was it was it was a good cap to the night that is, that's a lot of fun, man. Like there's something weird about the voices in your head when there's alcohol involved in gambling. You're very like, forget about this kind of mentality. Like, I'm just going to do whatever the hell. Like, I don't care. Hey, you should bet on that. Fine. I'll do it. You know, even though you should walk, mm-hmm. away, walk away, walk away. You've doubled up your winnings. Nah, 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 nah. If we're here, we're here to win big. Let's go. That's alcohol. Exactly. Um, no, it's a lot. Of, yeah, it was a lot of fun. This was a good fight. Did you watch it? Yeah, I watched. I watched a good, good portion of this. Like, like I said, some of it was a little, was a little distracted, but I caught most of it, dude. There were in the second round, I think it was the second round, where Ferguson, where like, Gaethje was like, almost like cartoon, like swinging his fist to do an uppercut, and Ferguson just quick pulled and, and hit him right before he had the chance to, to, fully execute his swing and just drilled him in the chin. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was I thought that was round. Do you know what I was talking about? Was that the second round? End, end of the second round, Ferguson lands a huge, I think it was an uppercut, and it dropped Gaethje. Yes, yeah. That was Hit epic. Him hard. Epic, 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 epic. I thought um, it was over when he, hit, when he did that. Yeah, yeah. The thing is that uh, this is Gaethje's fight. If you look up, uh, oh, man, I, uh, I've been live to Gaethje's fights before as well. Uh, Gaethje has a fight against a guy by the name of Eddie Alvarez. Holy crap, that is a fight. They they really messed each other up, but it just sh- comes to show you what I'm talking about. Gaethje's the guy who can take a hit like nobody else. But the problem is that on this night, he kind of gave the reputation over to Ferguson. Ferguson already was known to be a crazy dude. The question was, can he take a punch the way Gaethje can? And the answer is yes, they both can take a big punch. Mm-hmm. Ferguson got borderline uh, facial reconstruction that night. I mean, he looked complete. I mean, he's already an ugly dude. He's already a vampire looking mother, you know? And now he's, and now he's looking extra gruesome. He's got to be one of the ugliest dudes in the whole sport. <laughs> he looks like a witch, man, like a male witch. That uh, is crazy. And he's <laughs> gonna look even worse. That dude's face is so messed up. Oh my god! What impressed me the most was that Gagey's a powerful puncher. Uh, not to be messed, not to be confused with anything. Gagey is a phenomenally strong puncher for that weight class. And he was clocking Ferguson very powerful, very powerfully. Uh, I don't know how much, like I said, how, how high the volume was, but I turned my volume up really loud because I figured 
how often are we going to get an event with no audience? Like, I think it's important to take this all in, you know? Um, and I guess we can touch up on that as we close the episode, all the little nuances that are new to these type of events, which is, you know, the tweet, the tweets and all that, but we'll get there in a second to finish off. Gaethje uh, got the knockout in round five. It was uh, only about a minute and change left in the fight. Ferguson gets hit with a punch that I think not only was it just a bad hit, but on top of the fact that he had just taken too much at that point. Mm -hmm. You see, this is a fight where I'd say is a boxing fight. Ferguson took as much damage as I would say uh, boxing poses as a danger. I think that fight, since it, since there was barely any ground game, that was a fight that pretty much is not average. I mean, Ferguson took, I don't know how many blows to the head. That's the equivalent of a dangerous boxing fight. That to me is horrific. And then he just got caught with that punch. He shook his head a little bit like, oh, something's not right. That is a cry for help. Whenever you see a fighter, uh, when they get hit and you see them touch their face over and over again or like shake their head, you know, mm -hmm. think about it. These guys are in there to put up with all the pain that they possibly can and never back down. Whenever you see a fighter actually start to like touch their face or, or, or keep checking on a cut or like what Ferguson did, shake his head. Oh, that's just, that means he's badly hurt. And the referee recognized it. And I think it was a good stoppage. I feel like we had seen enough. I really do. Yeah, I, I thought for sure. See, this yeah. one looked a little bit more natural than, than the Cruz fight. Like the stoppage made more sense. Like it didn't, that's why, that's why, that, that's why it didn't make more, it didn't make as much sense as, as what I thought. The, like it felt natural. Like it felt like it was a fighting move. Like where the Cruz fight, I didn't feel like it was, you know, it didn't, like I said, it didn't, I didn't really understand because he was getting up. That's exactly right. That's why our house was torn. When I first saw it, I was like, that's, that's a good stoppage. And then, and then the people that were against me were saying, no, check the replay, check the replay. That's a horrible stoppage. And then what ended up happening when we saw the replay, we flipped our opinions. The people that said it was once a bad stoppage now are like me, uh, like the other guys are now saying what I was saying, which is that it's a good stoppage now. And then we flipped our opinions. So by the end of the night, I was actually arguing what I had originally said. I was I mean, <laughs> arguing against it because it's such a weird stoppage. And I think w through our discussions at home, I think the, the philosophical thought here is, Yes, you could have stopped the fight. This, is, this, this fight should be stopped. It's, we can agree that the fight should be stopped when Cruz was getting his head caved in at the, on the floor. But once Cruz started, once you've allowed that and you created a strike zone that you say, okay, this is my strike zone, once somebody starts throwing outside of it, you can't call it a strike anymore. He's getting up. It's not, it's not a strike anymore. You, you can't do that. So again, uh, Ferguson, the fight, the interesting about Ferguson is that he was standing when the fight ended, but we all understood that, hey, he wasn't intelligently defending himself anymore. He wasn't there. He was shaking his head like something was wrong. And at that point, the referee and everyone, in, everyone else watching at home had, had, had pretty much had enough. We said, mm -hmm. the hell with this. So uh, kudos to all the winners, that, that, you know, not the gamblers. Obviously, we lost, but the winners of these fights. Um, what do you think about the tweets, man? Have you ever seen tweets in live sports before? I, they're at the bottom when they pan them on. Yeah, that was interesting. Like, huh? Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it in some sports. Um, I guess I'm trying to think. It more is like commercial. I think they do it like maybe to be to end a timeout or to come back from a timeout from a stoppage. But I, yeah, I thought it was. I I didn't hate it. Would you? So if the next event were to have were to have a vote, do you guys want tweets on the bottom left corner of your screen? And these are not just tweets from average Joes like you and I. These are tweets no, they weren't. They were I, like I noticed everyone. a lot of the names. That's pretty cool. I mean, you have a lot of professional fighters watching in and saying, "Hey, this is this is a good fight." And and what I love most about the tweets 
is that I didn't feel alone because I was so excited about Saturday night in a very like Christmas is around the corner kind of way. You know, we've been quarantined forever. Live sports have been taken away from us, you know, and all of a sudden we have a nice event and, and it was just so nice to just order food for an event at your house and, and host it and invite your quarantine buddies and, Mm -hmm. and just put an event together that has a live sport that you can gamble on. I mean, all these things, I'm sorry. I felt like I was such a loser for being so hyped up for it. And then I'm looking at these tweets and the tweets are very much along the lines of, of what I was thinking. Everybody was pretty, I don't know if you saw them, but they were like, Oh man, so glad sports are on. Thank you, Dana. Thank you, Trump. Right. Yeah. I saw that. And I got to tell you, if that's not, if that doesn't showcase the human spirit, I don't know what does. The fact that we're all yearning for for these type of performances, we all we need sports and we need arts, man. It just really comes to show you how important they are. We always knew it because we enjoyed them, but nothing to help you appreciate it when it gets taken away and you get it back. Oh, you're so right. I mean, I was so happy to have just some type of sporting event on the TV, and like you said, it just kind of brought a little ambiance that I haven't had in a while uh, just to have live sports, even if it was on in the background for us, uh, it was, it was calming to have. Right, man. What is up with that? It's so weird how we yearn for it. Um, and like I said, I've been yearning to my, my own training. I've been getting my quarantine buddies and we just can't like, we, you know, we just got to keep going wherever you can and as safely as possible. Uh, just fun fact for you, man. Uh, Dana White hasn't stopped at this. Uh, Saturday was a phenomenal card. We're getting one Wednesday night, and we're also going to get one this Saturday as well. So we've got three events in a week. Wow. There's one on Wednesday night. I didn't see that. Uh, yeah, because it's uh, – unfortunately, he had to squeeze these fighters out of nowhere, so they're not going to be names that, that you would know. I'd be surprised if you did because I, bear, I know some of the names. Like uh, my, my house, <laughs> my roommate was like, okay, I'm going to read you the names on Wednesday's card, and you tell me what they look like to see if you even know what they look like. I couldn't name – I couldn't spot half of them. Hmm. Uh, because and, and now I watch a lot of fighting, but as you can, as you know, like there's constant new rosters. Fighting is a very hard fight to to keep up with. There's a lot of individual that you have to recognize, um, and and that's what happened with me. I didn't know half the guys on the card, but apparently Dana White's trying to find lo- lower names that he can just squeeze into a bunch of events. So Wednesday night, what's going to happen for me is now with the insight and gambling you're giving me, even if I can't enjoy the fights on a term of recognition of the fighters i can at least look at the odds see what i feel like doing and now i have a gambling so there's going to be gambling wednesday and we're going to be able to gamble saturday again so this sounds a lot like in in basketball terms this sounds a lot like gambling on uh quinnipec uh davidson or something like that i i don't have no idea dude (laughs) what is that what does that mean you know just gambling on some you know some ivy league or some a10 basketball opposed oh, to betting I on, you know, your Duke, North Carolina, you're saying that we just got some, some Pac-12 or Pac-10 or I'm, I'm getting this wrong. We've got some Mac basketball. That's what it should be. Is that what they call it? Mac basketball? Mac basketball though. Like the, uh, the small conference in the Midwest, you know, Ohio, Michigan, uh, Illinois, it's got teams all over. It's just an oil. It's just a, a very small schools. But the money and the odds are the same. You can still make a killing. Absolutely. Off the stupid Absolutely. things. Right. Absolutely. That's exciting. So you have that. uh, So Wednesday night, uh, Anthony Smith is fighting Glover Teixeira. Those are, those are really good names. Ben Rothwell, Osaint Peru. Um, These are all fighters that, that we know enough to be able to gamble enough on. So a lot of fun there. The main card starts. Here's the thing though. It's an early one. It's Wednesday at 9 PM, obviously on a weeknight, they're not going to drop a late card. Uh, And then Saturday, 
we are looking at, uh, oh gosh, Alistair Overeem, he's back after his head got disconnected from. But uh, <laughs> Alistair Overeem's fighting. We have Claudia Gagella, Angela Hill, who just did a podcast with Joe Rogan recently in the last few months. Great one before coronavirus. Dan Ige, another fun fight. Uh, he's fighting Edson Barbosa. So you know what? I will say it's not a terrible card. They're not like the highest profile names by any means, but these are all decent fights to bet and watch, man. And I think... So Saturdays is going to be all on ESPN starting at 9 p.m. So these are all free. You can even you don't even need to have ESPN plus. Um, so that's good for you, man. Right. You don't have to pay for that's anything. awesome. Exactly. That's awesome. Wednesday, so tuned in. Yeah. Wednesdays will be on ESPN plus exclusively. But again, it's not the better card. The better card is Saturday and Dana's putting it on both ESPN plus and ESPN. So, hey, listen, you being someone that doesn't really uh you know, get into fighting like the way I do, uh, even though you're, you're not around sports guy. I know, I know, I know you're kind because I'm kind of like that with all other sports except fighting. I'm, I'm hardcore fighter. And then everything else I just watch as it comes to me. Um, right. So, exactly. You know, so you can appreciate it to, uh, you know, you know enough to know. No, I'm getting into it, man. I mean, this, this weekend was a lot of UFC. I've, probably more so than I've watched in a long time. So no, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Dude, yeah, and I and I hope that uh, just like I got a little more into gambling, that you get a little more into fighting because I think both realms combined, especially, oof, it's mad fun. I mean, absolutely, a bet going right on a knockout, oh, that feels great because they come out of nowhere, you know, mm-hmm. they come out of nowhere. It's like, Jah! it's like, oh, there it is, holy crap, I didn't see that coming. Just the excitement of the spontaneous, but yeah, yeah, some about fighting, man. When just anything can go either way, you're never you never have a lost bet until your guy's actually knocked out. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, I feel like when you're watching a football game, not to downgrade football, because I think football is the shit. I love football. Uh, but, you know, if, if, if the ball's on their own 20, the likelihood of seeing an 80 yard play is less likely. You, you see it coming. Touchdowns, usually you see them coming. Maybe a guy runs, but even when a guy's running for a touchdown, usually if you beat the secondary, you can kind of know, okay, this play is going to be big. But in a fight, even when a guy's hurt and rocked, if he's just, if he's just biting down on his mouthpiece, and looking down and just throwing haymakers, he can land one of those and out of nowhere go from about to lose the fight to getting the knockout. And that kind of turn is insane. Insane. It reminds me of hockey a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Where, where yeah. hockey, you know, you can just you can pile in two goals in 30 seconds. It's crazy. Right. right. The puck's so little. The, the, the space you have to cover is not that of an entire football field, soccer field. It moves so fast. Quick turnaround. The, the game speed is very fast. That's what really what it is. Right, right. Fast. So. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's just game speed. It's all it's all just so sped up compared to your basketball, soccer, football. I agree, man. And uh, long live sports, long live live sports. Thank you, Dana. Thank you, uh, Trump. You know, I don't I don't care what your political affiliation is. The truth is, man, uh, you got to root for people who are trying their best to keep everyone safe while while giving us what we love and what keeps us going. You know, so. Uh, you know, Verge. Once again, you kicked ass. I appreciate you showing up and and just doing Dude. it as usual. Thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for, you know, showing me and teaching me a thing or two about fighting. It's been, it's been a lot of fun, you know, learning the, the ins and outs of, of fighting one-on-one. So appreciate it. Hell yeah, man. And, and then now you spread that to uh, all your other guys. And where'd you learn so much of this? Now this is idiot on game on that talks a lot. About <laughs> exactly. But uh, guys, we are on Twitter and Instagram game on sports podcast. That's our uh, Instagram name on Twitter. We are game on everyone. Uh, once again, you've been joined by Verge who you also do the 19th hole, right? I do do the 19th hole, correct. I wasn't on the last uh, episode. That was Bryson. 
yet a little golf trip, but, uh, but yeah, we'll be, we'll, I think we're having another episode come out this Thursday, I believe. Okay. Okay. So guys look out for Thursday, 19th hole, uh, fun, really fun. I don't know anything about golf, but honestly, it's a fun podcast. You guys have some actual golfers that show up. I'm not just talking about your average Joe. You guys have some killers on there. Yeah, um, no, we, uh, and we may have another guest on Thursday too. So stay tuned. Our mystery guest, stay tuned guys. So you already know, <laughs> Sports Podcast. join Verge and you got Sam over there. You've got, uh, you got quite the Bryce. Crew. Oh, Bryce. Yes. Bryce. Yes, we do. Yeah, unique crew. You know, a couple, three different guys, but all share the same love for the game. And um, yeah, we just shoot the shit mainly. Awesome. And maybe golf will be the next thing I learned because, you know, we all retire at some point, right? Absolutely. Right. I'm all just right, trying, to, trying to get better at it early. No, for sure. For sure. And how, if you don't mind me asking, Virg, how old are you? I'm 27. Ah, oh, 27. You're, man, I'm 30. I'm going on 32 this year, man. Nah, not that 30 much. 30 sucks, dude. No, but no, no, no. When you just, just wait till your, wait till your age sounds like thur, thur. When it starts with thur, her, uh, none of that. We don't like that. I think I'll be 27 for a couple more years, so I won't that. be 30. <laughs> All right. Well, Virg, it's been an absolute pleasure. Hey, thanks, I, man. Appreciate it. Good evening. Uh, you guys be, you guys have been great. I love the listeners. Um, again, if you want Verge back, hit me up in my DMs. I'm sure everybody's gonna be voting for you, man. You've given me some of the best content I've had in a minute. I'd be happy to, be, happy to be back anytime you want me, Danny. All right, man, you already heard that. We're going to abuse Verge. See you guys. Peace out. Later. Oh, oh.